Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, in answer to uh, questions I've been fielding all week, thank you. I'm fine. Our house is fine. Most of our friends are fine. It uh, has been, of course, from a weather standpoint, a really interesting week. Nobody has been more appreciative of Hurricane Ida, in a strange way, than uh, President Biden. It took Afghanistan right off the front page, and it left me with a little puzzlement. I think I've told you before, uh, I have a source inside the United States Army Corps of Engineers who told me that the new improved system, risk reduction, not hurricane protection, lest you think you're protected, a system has um, at least a metaphorical hole in it might have a literal one, one of these days. Here's, as the president now says, here's the deal. There are three canals that protrude into, pardon the expression, into uh, Lake Pontchartrain from the city of New Orleans. They were built a long time ago to carry rainwater that is pumped out of the city into the lake. The The pumping system, that is a pumping system that's been around since about 1912, yes, I said 1912, Uh, works really well. The city gets dewatered, as they say, pretty fast. But as the Corps of Engineers built the new improved system after the disaster that was Katrina, they decided not to fix the walls of those three canals, Those three canals had uh, walls that, um, in part, fell over when water came from the lake into the canals at uh, such a high rate of speed and volume that the walls couldn't withstand it. No, they were not going to fix those. They, They put up the parts that fell down, but they did not deal overall with the structural problems that led to the walls failing in the first place. They were not going to do that because they were building a peripheral system in which the walls would never be challenged again. There would never be water from the storm that came into the lake and then challenged those walls. There would be gates that would come down to prevent any water from coming in from the lake. And peripheral protection would keep that water down. The problem with that is that the rainwater still gets pumped from the city into those canals, and it cannot get into the lake when the ga- they get when the gates come down. So, if the rainwater is hard enough and high enough, those walls would be challenged again. Our our fear, as high, uh, Hurricane Ida approached, is. It was predicted to be a high-rainfall hurricane. It was, and it wasn't. That rainfall did not fall on Louisiana at that high rate. It fell on New York and New Jersey and Connecticut. How did... 
Now we're told, I think you know your hurricane lore as well as I do, at least to this point, that hurricanes lose power once they get over land. They get their power from the warm water of the Gulf of Mexico in that case, or the Atlantic Ocean in the other case. So how did the hurricane, how did Ida keep her rainwater close to her for that long that it didn't challenge the flood walls in New Orleans, but it did, to put it mildly, challenge the Northeast? That'd be question one. Question two, how how does an electric company have all the lines supplying electricity coming into a city located at one transfer point? Only one tower has to come down, and the entire city is in blackness. Maybe it's an argument for solar panels on every roof in town, in every town. Maybe. Hello, welcome to the show. I have always been wily and clever at deceiving and swindling and such. And I feel just as clever as ever. But I seem to be losing my touch. Oh, I'm losing my touch. Yes, I'm clever, but where does it get me? My employer gets all of my take. All I get is my daily spaghetti. While he is no use in this gym joint not a sou have i made on her yet and the one thing that pays in this clip joint is my fraudulent game of roulette is my game of roulette but i have to pay so much protection to the chief of police and his men that each day when he makes his collection i'm a poor man all over again what's the use What's the use of this honest endeavor and being so clever? It's wrong, oh, so wrong, if you just have to pass it on. It's a very fine thing to be prefect, shaking down all the gamblers in town. My position has only one defect. There is someone who's shaking me down, who is shaking me down. For this fellow unhappily knows me, and he's on to the game that I play. And he threatens to shame and expose me, if I do not incessantly pay. What's the use, what's the use, of this sneaky conniving and slimy contriving? It's wrong, oh so wrong, if you just have to pass it I could live very well by extortion, but I simply can't keep what I earn. For I haven't a sense of proportion, and roulette is my only concern, is my only concern. I've a system that's fiendishly clever, 
which I learned from a croupier friend, and I should go on winning forever, but I do seem to lose in the end. What's the use? What's the use? All this cheating and plotting, you end up with nothing. It's wrong. Oh, so wrong. If you just have to pass it along. From the home of the homeless, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. In case you missed it, in case you thought there was something missing from the disaster that was Ida as it uh, passed over the Louisiana coast, yeah, there was something missing until now. Cleanup crews are working to contain what experts now call a substantial oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. They uh, have been examining satellite and aerial survey images, ship tracking data, and interviewing local officials and others involved in the spill response. Spill is one of multiple plumes spotted off the Louisiana coast in the wake of Ida. It's identified in satellite imagery Thursday by the space technology companies Planet Labs and Maxar Technologies. Gee, no sign of Elon. A black expanse and rainbow sheen of oil, at least 10 miles across, was spreading in coastal waters, about two miles off Port Forshan, where President Bush visited on Friday. It's an oil and gas hub. Imagine how slimy the spokes must be. An aerial survey image of the spill was captured Wednesday by NOAA. It's unclear how much oil had spilled into the Gulf. This is the New York Times quoting a person with direct knowledge of the cleanup. The spill possibly from an old pipeline no longer in use that was damaged by the storm was first spotted on Monday in reconnaissance flights led by a number of Gulf Coast producers. Oil, I think, not film. And was reported to the Coast Guard by... uh, Yesterday morning, Saturday morning, two more boats appeared to join the cleanup. According to an assistant executive director of Clean Gulf Associates, that's a nonprofit oil spill cooperative set up by the industry. Why would you need to do that if you're not spilling? Oh. Lieutenant John Edwards of the U.S. Coast Guard, not the one you've heard of, said the spill was believed to be crude oil from an old pipeline owned by the Houston-based oil and gas exploration company Talos Energy cleanup vessel hired by Talos is using skimmers as we speak to recover the oil. Placed a containment boom in the area try to contain the spread. Not stop the steal, but contain the spread. It's a substantial leak that requires further investigation, says a scientist at Water Mapping, a Florida-based consultancy. He's led research into the use of satellite and aerial images for oil spills. He continues, I see an indication of thick, heavy oil which is the main dark feature, surrounded by a rainbow sheen. The area was known for being dense with pipelines. 
And in the uh, past, powerful storms have caused mudslides that can damage pipes or even the foundations of platforms that hold equipment that pumps oil and gas out of the seabed. Well, at least they're getting some sleep. Flyover and satellite imagery showed multiple other slicks along the Louisiana coast. A person with knowledge of the cleanup said it was possible that leaks from other sources were also contributing to the plume de Montant, a report published earlier this year by the U.S. government's accountability office found that since the 1960s, federal regulators have allowed oil and gas producers in the Gulf to leave some 18,000 miles of pipeline on the seafloor. Talk about your littering. These pipelines, about 97% of the decommissioned ones in the area, are often abandoned without cleaning or burial. Now, you wouldn't do that to your grandmother, would you? Um, This is much like the canals that oil companies built through the wetlands, which they had contracted with the state to uh, remediate the damage they caused when they shut the canals and their own pipelines and remediated nothing, as it turns out. Nutty, huh? And now... Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to present Let Us Try, a ballad of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Let us try to stem the tide To beautify our countryside We offer you our hand Let us try Try is to succeed Yeah, sure. The long-sought removal of nuclear waste. There's our friend Nuclear Waste again. That project, the uh, remove the waste stored for decades in a 10-acre pit in Lewiston, New York, took a dramatic step forward this week. Forward's good, right? The Army Corps announced it had awarded a $35 million contract oops, to a New York City architectural and engineering firm to design the removal plan at the Niagara Falls storage site. That sounds nice. That's the name the government gave to a 191-acre contaminated by nuclear waste. And the heart of that site, if it can have a heart, probably more like a liver, is the 10-acre interim waste containment structure. That's where the highly radioactive leftovers from the Manhattan Project and post-war processing of radioactive materials by local industry are under 20 feet of clay. It's about a mile east of a school campus. The storage site is part of a much larger ordnance work site, land the government seized from farmers in the area in 1942 and used for munitions manufacturing before and after the war. This is the Buffalo News reporting this. The government's plan was announced in 2015, not signed until four years later, is to remove more than 193,000 cubic yards of radioactive waste in the containment structure, and truck it to a government-licensed depository. What state would you like to have that waste deposited, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah, Texas. This is the good news, the department. The government hasn't said specifically what it's going to do, that, 
when, and no funds have been appropriated for the work yet. The cost was estimated a couple of years ago at $590 million. The news of the latest steps forward was hailed by locals in the Buffalo area. Quote, to get rid of that site and get it out of here, I'm very much looking forward to having that area cleaned up, said a county supervisor. He said, I believe it's happening faster than what I thought was going to occur. The Buffalo District of the Army Corps said Congress has significantly increased funding for the formerly utilized site's remedial action program, the FUSRAP, in the past three years. That's the government program dealing with nuclear waste sites derived from government programs of the past. That hike allows accelerated cleanup of other sites where work has already begun. Makes it possible that this site might be cleaned up sooner than expected. We've waited a long time, said Wendy Guild Swearingen, who served on a Citizens Advisory Committee for the site. Any first step is a good step. She, she says the presence of the nuclear waste weighs on the minds of many residents. Quote, it's safe where it is, but it only lasts a certain amount of time, and we got to get it out before the site degrades, she says. You don't want a nuclear waste facility close to where students are getting educated, and I think it would have a really wonderful effect on home values if that were to go. I feel like more businesses would come here. It doesn't hurt to get tons and tons of nuclear waste removed from your town, unquote. Well, at least let them try. Just let them try. And now, it's time for me to read the trades for you. From Advertising Age. How Pfizer can market COVID vaccine following FDA approval. Am I going to read it for you? Is the Pope's robe in the woods? Now that Pfizer has received full approval from the Food and Drug Administration for its coronavirus vaccine, consumers should expect to see an influx of marketing from the pharmaceutical giant. Healthcare experts say ads for the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine, which will be marketed as Comirnaty, could hit TV airwaves soon. The companies were previously not allowed to market the vaccine directly to U.S. consumers since it was not fully approved. This is what those people were complaining about. They couldn't see the ads for it. Quote, We plan to take a thoughtful approach to marketing and advertising Comirnaty to the public during this time with the goal of increasing confidence in vaccination, said a Pfizer spokeswoman declining to provide more details about the upcoming campaign. According to a spokeswoman for the advertising agency Ogilvy, the agency is currently working with Pfizer on global communications for Comirnaty. They're going to be everywhere, says Marcus Saba, a marketing professor in the healthcare concentration at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's Business School. Noting TV print, and digital advertising. It's the single biggest health issue in the last hundred years. And Pfizer is on the cutting edge, he says. You don't hold back a single thing. The FDA approval granted in the last few days 
follows the emergency use authorization. Pfizer got last December the new official approval is for vaccine use in individuals 16 and older. Some 3 out of 10 unvaccinated adults have said they're more likely to get the vaccine if it received full FDA approval. According to a survey from the Kaiser Family Foundation, those 3 out of 10 will be a key target in Pfizer's marketing push. According to Sabe, Marcus Saba, now it's Saba, sorry, who recently co-authored Brand Plan Rx, The Marketer's Guide to Building a Thriving Health and Wellness Brand. That's a book. He adds that Pfizer will also have to reinforce the vaccine's value to those who've already received the shot now that a booster shot is expected. Quote, they don't want to lose anyone, says Saba. Pfizer has to communicate in a way that is very respectful and trusting. They want to build trust, unquote. While the Comirnaty brand name may seem odd, Saba says the name may be a result of trying to tie in words like immunity and community to better convey such trust. Expects try, Pfizer may try to explain the name in commercials, which will be fairly serious in tone. Unlike the insurance commercials. The drug maker's brand team has likely been working on a campaign in parallel to the FDA submission. According to George Sillip, chair and associate professor of pharmaceutical and healthcare marketing at St. Joseph's University. <laughs> you, you have that in the can, he says. You're ready to go. You don't start at that initial point. There's much more pre-planning on this by the brand team, he says, noting a rush to beat Moderna. If you've got it, Moderna can't be that far behind. Capitalize on it. Get out there as fast as you can, he says. Pfizer's, sorry, Moderna's vaccine will be marketed as SpikeVax. They stayed up all night on that one. Spike Vax. Saba notes that, like Viagra, Viagra, Spike Vax is a bolder marketing choice. Cialis, which was released after Viagra, pursued a more human-centric advertising approach. I think Pfizer will come out with more of a Cialis tone to it. Respectful, says Sama. Maybe do a tie-in with the Aretha Franklin movie. A thought that occurs when I read the trays for you. Copyrighted feature. Tonight, I'm David Muir, and tonight on ABC's World News Tonight, we'll have all of tonight's news, most of which happened earlier today. But whether we cover it on the scene or from our news desk here in New York, our focus is the same. We're telling you about it tonight. 
Tonight, those hardest hit communities from the air. Tonight, the most restrictive abortion law in the country. The lead attorney tells us tonight that he is holding out hope. Tonight, President Biden defiant. And tonight, the scope of the destruction becoming easier to see. Tonight, thousands of Afghans desperate to escape the Taliban. Tonight, Ida rapidly intensifying. The country tonight facing a dire forecast. At World News Tonight, whether the report is live or recorded hours earlier, you're seeing it at one crucial time. Tonight. I'll see you later tonight on World News Tonight. Putting the tonight in World News. And now news of the Olympic movement. Produced by Jim Ebersol III. These um, Olympics and Paralympics, the ones in Tokyo, the delayed ones, were um, supposed to be the no-waste games. That was one of the things that they were um, advertising in uh, the run-up to the games. They pitched Tokyo 2020 as the Sustainable Games and said on their own web page, quote, Tokyo 2020 aims to minimize the adverse impact of resource waste. That was under the headline, Zero Wasting. That's why I'm sharing these items with you. Hundreds of boxes full of unused coronavirus-related medical goods, including gloves, gowns, and masks, total of $45,000 worth, were thrown away. According to the Games Organizing Committee this week, they apologized for the mismanagement as the items supplied to the medical offices of nine venues could have been transferred to facilities battling with an alarming rise in COVID infections in Tokyo and other parts of Japan. But no, the medical supplies were left over partly because the Olympics were held without spectators. The officials said they had discarded the supplies because they couldn't find places to keep them. That's according to Reuters. The disposal was found last Sunday in the process of cleaning and closing four venues in Tokyo and five others around the country, including Fouk. Of the 52,000 gowns procured, 3,400 3, were discarded. The venues had 5,600 boxes of masks, 50 pieces each, and 5,200 bottles of hand sanitizers, out of which some were dumped. According to the officials, we did not instruct each venue what to do in advance, said one of the officials, admitting it was the organizing committee's mishandling. And, also according to Reuters, organizers this week apologized for ordering too much food for their staff during the opening ceremony and letting it go to waste. Videos of trucks carting off boxes of uneaten food went viral online. Organizers came in for a fresh lashing for wasting food at the National Stadium. Thousands of untouched lunchboxes and rice balls were discarded at the stadium. Again, because they were holding the games without spectators. So they didn't need the number of 
volunteers they were originally planning on. That's according to Tokyo Broadcasting System Television. Spokesman said on Wednesday it was true there was a surplus of food during the opening ceremony. But from then on, measures to optimize food orders were being implemented at each of the venues. We regret the large amount of over-ordering has occurred up to now. Said the surplus food was not disposed of, but recycled into animal feed and, quote, other uses. Said one official at a nonprofit called the people that runs a food bank, what a waste. I have no other way to put it. Unquote. I do. It's a movement. We're moving food. We all need some. Every day. From the home of the homeless, this is Le Show. And now some news of the godly, for your listening pleasure. There are shocking failings and blatant hypocrisy in the way major UK religious groups handle child sex abuse allegations. That's the report from the Independent Inquiry into Child Sexual Abuse. It said some religious organizations in England and Wales were, quote, morally failing children, unquote. Examined evidence from 38 groups, including those from Christianity, Orthodox Judaism, and Islam. So it's, it's not just the Catholics anymore. Leaders discouraged reporting abuse to protect reputations, the report found. It said the religious leaders also blamed victims for their abuse relied on religious dogma when responding to allegations. Well, isn't that what it's for? 
The report follows on from inquiries into the Catholic and Anglican churches. It comes after several weeks of public hearings held last year. At those hearings, victims of abuse gave evidence. It covers a series of religious groups, including Jehovah's Wit- your Jehovah's Witnesses, your Baptists, your Methodists, your Islamists, your Muslims, your Jews, Sikhism, Hinduism, Buddhism, and nonconformist Christian denominations. I wonder what those are. This is BBC writing, so it doesn't, they don't conform to the BBC. The report said many religious groups were putting children at risk by victim blaming, not openly discussing matters of sexuality, abuse of power by religious leaders, men dominating the leadership. That doesn't happen. Mistrust of non-religious agencies and misusing the concept of forgiveness. The inquiry found that in some communities, quote, the relationship between ideas of sexual purity and social and familial standing are likely to make abuse markedly harder to report, unquote. The imperative not to speak is bound up with notions of honor, with consequences for an individual's ability to marry, for their family, and for the honor of their community. In extreme cases, being seen as dishonorable can lead to violence against that individual or their family, it said. The uh, inquiry's press release was strongly worded. The report itself was more measured. Lloyd Evans, who campaigns against abuse in the Jehovah's Witnesses, told BBC the report was, quote, wishy-washy. Evans is a former elder of the Witnesses, suggested the inquiry did not look at as much data as it could have, and the the inquiry was underfunded. Took more evidence about the witnesses, which has 131,000 members in England and Wales, than any other group. That organization has repeatedly been accused of covering up child abuse. It told the inquiry only 66 allegations, sorry, 67, had been reported to its branch office within 10 years. A particular concern in the report was that while some organizations did have effective child protection policies in some settings, not even basic child protection procedures were in place. Quote, religious believers can find it difficult to accept that members of their congregation or religious leaders could perpetrate abuse. As a result, some consider that it's not necessary to have specific child protection procedures or to adhere strictly to them, unquote, the inquiry. In the case of the witnesses, the uh, inquiry was particularly critical of a biblical rule applied by the group requiring, no joke, two witnesses before an allegation of abuse is considered by elders. Though the Jehovah's Witnesses has policies requiring all allegations to be reported to police, the inquiry said the two-witness rule fails to reflect the reality that child sexual abuse, quote, is most often perpetrated in the absence of witnesses, unquote. You'd think the witnesses would know that. A statement from the witnesses said the protection of children was, quote, of utmost concern and important importance to all Jehovah's Witnesses, and they fully agree that all religious organizations should have a child protection policy. Maybe fewer witnesses required by the witnesses? We'll find out as time passes. News of the godly, ladies and gentlemen. It writes itself. Um, 
so we are at that point where people who who don't pay close attention to the calendar think that summer's over as, at the advent of in the United States Labor Day, first Monday in September. I think it's a bank holiday in England. Of course, the calendar would tell us that summer lasts until the third week of September. But, you know, calendars are free, so what are they worth? In any case, it was a uh, somewhat bifurcated summer. It started out as the wee, yippee, we're, we, we, we can open up, we can gather, we can go to events, we can cluster, at least outdoors. We can maybe take off a mask or two. And then all of a sudden the Delta variant surged among us and it started feeling a lot more like it did a year ago. Big action movies all stay hidden Thousands of surfboards Never was 
everyone rocking just sweatpants and tees Freaked by an anti-social disease Farewell to high school, hello to what? We're quarantining in our virtual hut Days getting shorter Big freaking deal Just earlier takeouts Of an unhappy meal News of the bees from UC Riverside. Yes, yes, there is such a place. Study there shows that a type of insecticide made for commercial plant nurseries is harmful to your typical bee, even when applied well below the rate indicated on the label. Study published in the Proceedings of the Royal Society B Biological Sciences. Chemically similar to nicotine, our old friend neonicotinoids, are insecticides that protect against plant-consuming insects, like your aphids, but they seriously harm beneficial insects, like your bees. They are widely used by commercial growers in the United States, even though there are some regulations against them. Much much research has focused on their use in food crops, like canola, in which they're typically applied at low doses. But this study is one of the few to examine neonic application in potted ornamental plants, which can represent more potent acute sources of exposure to the toxin for the bees. Neonicotinoids are often used on food crops as a seed treatment, said the lead study author, but they're usually applied in higher amounts to ornamental plants for aesthetic reasons. The effects are deadly no matter how much the plants are watered. The uh, author said he was surprised by this result, given, given that neonicotinoids are water-soluble. Going into the study, he assumed the more water would dilute the amount of harm they caused the bees. The researchers were also curious whether increased watering could benefit bees despite insecticide exposure by increasing the quantity or quality of nectar offered by the plants. The increased water decreased the pesticide's potency in the nectar of the flowers, but the negative effects on bees were still observed. Unfortunately, we observed a 90% decrease in the bees' reproduction with both high and low levels of irrigation, said the author. This study is also one of the few to examine neonicotinoid effects via ornamental plants on solitary bees. I kind of identify with those. They make up more than 90% of native bee species in North America, an even higher percentage in California. Solitary bees are not bees who have left the hive and are now alone. This is a type of bee that lives alone, does not produce honey, and does not have a queen or live in a hive. Are you sure it's a bee? Come on. Because they do not have a store of honey to protect, they're also not aggressive. Solitary bees are more representative of the ecosystem here, that is in California, 
they're potentially more vulnerable to pesticides. If a worker bee that's social, like your honeybee, gets exposed to insecticide and dies, it won't necessarily affect the longevity of the hive. But if a solitary bee dies, its lineage is cut short. The study used alfalfa leafcutter bees, which make their nests in tunnels and lay eggs one at a time. They're very similar to California's solitary native bees, part of a genus that can be found worldwide. First time the researchers tried this experiment, they used a concentration of insecticide recommended on the product label. All the bees died in a matter of days. Next time they uh, used a third of the recommended dose, still found negative effects on reproduction. The ability of the bees to feed themselves and overall fitness. Well, they should go to the gym, but it almost completely wiped them out, said the lead author, though this study used a neonicotinoid neonicotinoid product formulated for nurseries. Formulations of similar products for home use also tend to be highly concentrated. It's not as simple as don't use pesticides, said the author of the study. Sometimes they're necessary. However, people can look for a different class of insecticide, try to apply them on plants that aren't attractive to bees, or find biological methods of pest control. Or they can just tell the solitary bees to get a hive. And now, the Apologies of the Week. The sorriest moment in broadcasting coming at you. After 23 seasons of sharing her opinions on The View, Joy Bihar has issued her fair share of apologies over the years, whether for it's an inappropriate joke to misgendering Caitlyn Jenner, Bihar is no stranger to mea culpas. But we can't necessarily assume those apologies are sincere, according to E.T. Canada. Well, I've gotten in trouble a few times on the show, Bihar admitted. I've had to apologize, which I'm happy to do in order to save mine and everybody else's job. I don't care. Even if I don't mean it, I'll do it, she added. Even if I look like I'm in a hostage takeover, I'll still do it, because if you don't do it, you lose your job and everybody else's. Unquote. Bihar insisted she never intends any of her comments to be hurtful, but simply wants to make people laugh. I've offended people for sure, she said, but whatever. Greece's new right-wing health minister apologized Wednesday for past remarks that the country's Jewish community had taken strong issue with. He about his absolute respect for Holocaust victims and his opposition to anti-Semitism. If he's got that much respect, maybe he can do some commercials for the... Uh, the vaccine. Athanasios Plevris' statement on social media came hours after the Central Board of Jewish Communities in Greece, which uses the Greek acronym KISS, expressed concern over his cabinet appointment this week. statement had summoned him to apologize for remarks he made as defense lawyer in a court case against his extreme far-right father, Konstantinos Plevris, who was charged with incitement to racist hatred or violence over a book called Jews, the whole truth. KIS quoted the health minister as having said then, commenting on a reference to Auschwitz, 
quote, what incitement is this? Is it that one is not allowed to believe and want to believe that I want to exterminate someone? Unquote. Cleveris said this week those objections to his court comments were understandable and he fully disagrees with his father's views. I never wanted to insult the Jewish people and I apologize if I did. I am certain that as health minister I will leave not the slightest grounds for reservation for those who doubt my respect for the Holocaust and they will see that under no circumstances do I harbor anti-Semitic sentiments. He's repeatedly He's repeatedly said he rejects the political views of his father, who was eventually acquitted in that court case. Glenn Greenwald, he is a um, blogger, journalist, who lives in Brazil, because that's where he met his partner, a Brazilian. He apologized this week for gross comments he made in his public spat with Chelsea Manning. Manning, a former U.S. Army intel analyst, was imprisoned for giving classified information to WikiLeaks. She called out her former friend, Greenwald, tweeting, Glenn Greenwald, I don't have $10,000 right now, but if I get it, I want to send it back to you from a donation you once did. I can't deal with this anymore. I'm terrified of you and everything you do. You're greedy, unprincipled, and I'm embarrassed for ever considering you a friend. Unquote. Manning. Greenwall responded with a Twitter thread that included, quote, When she was in prison trying repeatedly to kill herself, I was one of the only ones who visited, spent hours on the phone raising money for her. Unquote. When someone brought up that bringing someone's past suicide attempts might have been a no-no, Greenwall defended himself, but the next day he ended up apologizing. Quote, When I read Chelsea's tweets, I felt as... A, b- a betrayal from a friend. My reference to helping her through her publicly reported suicide attempts was to express why I was hurt. But I see how it was viewed and apologize. I stand by everything else I said, and that's my last word on this. Uh, the rest of his comments, including accusing her of gross innuendo and even publishing all of their Twitter direct messages. They had been arguing for quite a while over Tucker Carlson and his view of immigration. Deadline Milan, the heir of a late duke who sold his Tuscan winery 25 years ago to Sting, gets better all the time, says the singer has hit a flat note, that's the Associated Press, with a lame apology for comments the family deems slanderous. Celebrity dispute has spilled into the pages of Italian newspapers. Sting told the weekly magazine Sette that he was persuaded into buying the Palagio winery near Florence in 1997 after tasting an excellent glass of red wine offered by the owner. The singer, however, said it later turned out that the wine was a Barolo from Piedmont and not a local Tuscan Chianti at all. The magazine labeled a move a hoax and claimed the singer had been tricked into the purchase. In the interview, Stink said he only realized the truth about the wine's origins after he had purchased the Pelagio estate, including the vineyards, and he noticed guests pouring the Pelagio red into the bushes rather than drinking it. He said he and his wife decided to became determined to avenge themselves by producing an excellent wine also from the Pelagio vineyards. 
The 45-year-old son of the Duke, who died in uh, 2012, wrote a long, stinging rebuke to Sting's accusations, calling them slander, poisonous, and completely false. He said it would have been completely out of character his father to pass off Barolo for Chianti, or vice versa. said Sting's use of the interview and the anecdote to promote a new organic pizzeria on the estate was in poor taste. In his letter... Valuti Zati said Sting's allegations not only do not respond to the truth, they're highly damaging to the memory of my father and to my reputation. The AP got a copy of a letter Sting sent back in late August, offering his sincere and unequivocal apologies and acknowledging that the story, as reported, was disrespectful to the memory of your distinguished father. Sting called the Duke an honorable man who never misled me, said the anecdote was instead self-deprecating, highlighting highlighting the fact that 25 years ago he was unable to, quote, distinguish a Barolo from a bar of soap, unquote. Zati, the son, told the AP the apology was a necessary act from the singer that was hardly convincing. These apologies don't seem to be working. Bangkok Airways has apologized for a data breach involving passport information and other personal data in a statement to customers. The company said it discovered a cybersecurity attack which resulted in unauthorized and unlawful access to its information system in late August. The company is deeply sorry for the worry and inconvenience this malicious incident has caused. Didn't say how many customers were involved in the breach or what timeline the data came from. A Florida elementary school was placed in a temporary limited lockdown after a parent threatened to leave his job and confront an assistant principal for telling his children they couldn't come to school without being masked. Christopher Kivlin was met by police officers outside the school in Sarasota. No charges filed. He was ordered not to come back to the school without calling first and getting permission. Kivlin told a TV station he had no intention of hurting anyone, just wanted to talk to a school official. He apologized for scaring anyone and said, quote, it was just emotions built up. I feel like I might have scared other parents. Ooh. The uh, central government in Okinawa Prefecture, their bureaucrats apologized to the mayor over the U.S. military dumping water contaminated with a dangerous chemical into the city's sewage system. Officials from the Defense and Environment Ministries met with the mayor, apologized for causing concerns among local residents. The U.S. Marines, the few, the proud, the dumpers, dumped the water contaminated with perfluorooctane sulfonate, PFOS, into the local sewage system from the Marine Corps Air Station. Officials claimed the level of PFOS in the water was safe. Japanese officials said the water could not be considered as such. Facebook users who recently watched a video from a British tabloid featuring black men saw an automated prompt from Facebook that asked them if they would like to, quote, keep seeing videos about primates, unquote. The company investigated and disabled the artificial intelligence-powered feature that pushed the message. Facebook apologized for what it called an unacceptable error and said it was looking into the recommendation feature to prevent this from happening again. The video came from the Daily Mail, featured clips of black men in altercations with white civilians 
and police. It had no connection to monkeys or primates. Darcy Groves, a former content design manager at Facebook, said a friend had recently sent her a screenshot of the prompt, and uh, she posted it on a forum for Facebook employees. In response, a product manager for Facebook Watch, the company's video service, said it was unacceptable and said the company was looking into the root cause. Groves said the prompt was horrifying and egregious. A spokesperson for Facebook said, We've made improvements to our AI. It's not perfect. We know that. And we have more progress to make. We apologize to anyone who may have seen these offensive recommendations. And Da Baby, rapper, apologize again for uh, his comments about gay people and HIV. But he's the baby. He's, why, why do you expect him to... The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen, if you uh, were curious after last week's Le Show to uh, know more of the Inspector General's lessons learned about Afghanistan, uh, I read the for you the executive summary. I recommend you go see the whole report. It's uh, just chock full of delightful details. Special Inspector General for Afghan Reconstruction. And I think they got our website. That's it for this week's edition of the show. Next week, same time, same station on the radio, your time of choice on your audio device of choice. And it would be just like the power coming back on in New Orleans, if you'd agree to join with me then, and everywhere for that matter. Power to the people. The email address for this program, a chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts for you and the playlist of this music that you hear on the show, all at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from the home of the homeless.